Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is eternal life. That's the gift that God extends to each and every one of us, praise God. Not that we deserve it, praise God. Not that we are, are righteous within our own selves. Our righteousness, again, needs to be a gift that God gives us. And so I am absolutely just honored to be here today um, and, and have that same not guilty plea in my life in Jesus' name. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. I'm going to ask that the Lord will, will, will deal and help us today to receive what he has for us. We are absolutely honored to be a part of this, this uh, Easter service where we celebrate not only the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but what he has done for us in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am absolutely glad that we can see this. And I'm believing right now that wherever this message is going forth, that there are eyes that are being opened to the fact that, Lord God, that even when life gets tough, even when things are a little bit um, rough in our lives, Lord God, that we can hang on, we got the anchor, we can hang on to the aspect, praise God, that this world is not our home, praise God, that you have a better home for us in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I am so thankful today that I can, Lord Jesus be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of the church of the living God. And I would pray again that every eye would be open, that every ear would be open to hear what the Lord has to say in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, as I present this today, I give you the praise and I give you the glory and I am believing that you are working on every person, praise God, everyone, that nobody will ever be the same again because of what we hear and because of what you have done for us in the name of Jesus. Father, I give you the praise and the glory for that in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You can be seated in your homes. And again, we just thank everybody for being here today. I will just say this before I get started this morning, that tonight at 6 o'clock, if we can also interrupt your, your holiday, uh, this evening we're going to be having a communion service. And, um, and we would like each and every one of you to be back with us. It's a special time in remembrance of what the, what the Lord has done. A question was asked to me, why are you preferring unsalted crackers? Well, um, you know, uh, the, the, the Bible says that a lot of times they used unleavened bread. And in my opinion, this might be about the closest that we can get to it. But nevertheless, what we're going to do or what it symbolizes is much, much more important. So join us tonight at 6 o'clock. Very special service. Very special anointing that God puts upon each and every one of us that remembers what he has done in Jesus' name. I want to start reading this morning from, from the book of Philippians. And um, I just want to... Uh, uh, show you that the resurrection is a very, very, very special thing. Paul, in his dissertation to the, to the Philippians, in chapter number 3 and verse number 10, he makes reference to the fact, in verse number 10, it says, that I may know him. And it says, the power of his resurrection. Praise God. Amen. And the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. 
And so Paul himself, you know, one of the pursuits that he had was the fact that he wanted to know not only the Lord Jesus, but he wanted to know the power of his resurrection in Jesus' name. And just so that you know, I'm going to have you turn to the, the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Amen. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in, in uh, chapter number six there in verse number one makes a statement here that I want you to see. He says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Notice what he's talking about here. The things that Jesus taught. The things that Jesus himself taught. He said, let us go on unto perfection or completion. And that is the will of God for every person, by the way. It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. He goes on to say, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, and of the laying on of hands, in verse 2, and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Notice there are six distinct doctrines or things that Jesus taught there, and amongst them, Jesus taught, yes, he taught the resurrection of the dead, praise God. This is the hope that you and I have. Faith is the substance of things hope for, praise God. And this morning, praise God, even in a topsy-turvy world that you and I live in, you and I have not lost the hope that God gives to us. And that is one of the major things that, that the uh, understanding of the resurrection will bring into each and every one of our lives is the fact that you and I, we have hope. Even when a lot of other things are getting shaky and, and things are, 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 you know, we're not certain how this is all going to play out and I'm not here to, to be a prophet of doom. I'm just saying here this, this morning in this, in this resurrection morning, praise God, you and I still have the hope of who Jesus Christ is and you and I can be part not only of the understanding of his resurrection praise God but what that resurrection will mean to us in Jesus name in the book of first Thessalonians and I'm just kind of giving you some scriptural background praise God when when we refer to the resurrection to help you to understand that this is something that throughout history the church has has hung on to praise God knowing that praise God that that one of these days there's going to be a tremendous, tremendous time that we're going to gather in heaven. And in the fourth chapter of the book of First Thessalonians, it makes reference to this. Notice in chapter number 4 and verse 13. Verse 13, First Thessalonians 4 and 13. It says, but I would not, this is Paul, of course, talking to the church there. He says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Notice this. Praise God. And that's one of the prayers that I've had on a consistent basis. I'm believing that God is not only returning hope to us, but he's giving us a stronger faith in that hope in the name of Jesus. Praise God. This is something throughout the history of the church that has been, been, been ongoing. Praise God. God never promised us a rose garden down here, per se. He never said that we would never have any types of uh, challenges and things of that nature. He just said that he would never leave us or forsake 
take us and he would be there with us throughout it all in Jesus' name. Praise God. Verse 14 goes on to say there, it says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. I hope that every one of you can lift your hand this morning and say, I believe that in Jesus' name. Not just because it's written in a historical book, praise God, but because I know that in my heart in Jesus' name, that he died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. It says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, it says, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm telling you folks, that's a great hope that you and I can hang on to this morning in the name of Jesus. That one of these days, praise God, amen, if, if, if we don't breathe our last, the Lord's coming back and there's going to be a rapture, there's going to be a catching away in this world and I'm going to tell you right now, that's what Paul's referring to when he says we don't, we can sorrow. Yes, we are, there's going to be times when we're going to have emotional breakdowns sometimes, but the Bible says we don't sorrow as those that don't have any hope and this is what the resurrection brings to you and I. It brings a consistent, constant hope in our lives, praise God, that where Jesus is, that's where we're going to be. And then in verse 18, he culminates this by saying, he says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so this morning, I'm hoping and I'm believing that God has come into your homes, wherever you're at right now, listening to this message. I believe that God is there. And the message, one of the first things I want to bring forth is the message of hope that praise God, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what gave us a tremendous hope in this world, praise God, that like he did, what he did, praise God, amen, we're going to do also in the name of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. I'm hoping that the joy of the Lord, amen, the literal joy of the Lord. Will, in fact, I'm going to tell you something, wonderful saints. If you'll just lift both of those hands right now. Come on, right where you're sitting, right where you're standing, right there in your home. Come on, I'm telling you right now, you can claim the joy of the Lord right now. Right where you're at in the name of Jesus. This is what God came to do for us. That's why he died. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful, praise God. So thankful for the message of the resurrection. That is not going to go away just because we have some anxious moments. Just because we have some times that are a little bit uncertain. 
I'm here to tell you, my friends, it's not going to go and praise God. I'm telling you, it can come and be one of the strongest things in your life in Jesus' name. Yes, the resurrection. It's what Jesus taught, praise God. The resurrection. It's what Paul taught, praise God. I'm telling you, it's what the church today, praise God, is teaching. Amen. That the Lord Jesus Christ, He died for this world, praise God, but He didn't stay in that grave. Oh, hallelujah. He didn't stay in the grave, my friends. He rose from the dead. Amen. And that's what's so beautiful about this in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Let me take you to the book of 1 Corinthians. In fact, if you want to do a study on the resurrection, in which everybody should, we should, we should try to understand it better. Amen. And in the few minutes that I've got here this morning, I'm certainly not going to exhaust the subject. I'm just here to tell you that that's your hope, my friend. That's your hope, is that, praise God, whatever's going on in your life right now, <clears throat> that we have the hope of the resurrection in Jesus' name. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and a lot of times uh, theologians will refer to the 15th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians as the resurrection uh, uh, chapter. And no doubt that Paul deals a lot with the resurrection. In fact, he does somewhat of a chronological order of how things are, the resurrection, praise God, is taking place, which again began with Jesus Christ. You must understand that he was the, he was the first one. He was the first fruits in Jesus' name. And so I thank God for that. But one of the things I want to establish here, praise God, is the reason you and I have hope is because of this gospel message. It's because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I, praise God, and that ongoing message, praise God, can become a powerful thing in our lives. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Amen. Notice what he's doing here. And of course, we understand that the word gospel just simply means good news, great news. Amen. This is what it refers to. He says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. What does that mean? That means that that message, praise God, gives us a firm foundation in which you and I can stand on in Jesus' name. It says in verse number two, by which also we are saved. Never forget, friend, this is not works of righteousness which we have done. This is the works of righteousness which Jesus Christ has done. That's why we give glory to Him. That's why you come to our church services. You're going to see lots of time where we just lift up our hands and we give praise to God. Why is that? Because we're we do not want to ever forget what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. This is what gives us hope. This is why you and I can sit here this morning, praise God, or stand here this morning, and praise God, we can have joy unspeakable is what the Bible says. <clears throat> it says, by which also you are saved if you can Keep in memory what I have preached unto you unless you have believed in vain. And I don't believe I'm talking to anybody that wants that. Amen. I want to always remember what the Lord has done. It says, for I delivered unto you first, in verse number three, of, he says, first of all, that which I also received. I think that's a beautiful principle that we can, we, we have a hard time giving something to somebody that we have not received ourselves. And so hopefully that, that message will give, become strong, praise God, in your households this morning, praise God. It says how that 
Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Notice this, my friend. That's what we consider, that's the gospel message. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is the gospel message. That's the good news, praise God. That's why you and I, praise God, can have the blessed hope that you and I have, praise God. And so I want you to understand this morning, praise God, that God is still on the throne, praise God. That God is still, He is our hope, praise God. And that hope is alive and well, praise God. That you don't have to sit there and you don't have to wonder, I wonder with all of this that's going on, if all of that's been done away with. I'm here to say, nay, it has not, praise God. No way that God is still doing what He's doing in the name of Jesus. Praise God. And so we're talking about the messages that surround this Easter season, praise God. Last week we talked about the fact that Jesus willingly came into Jerusalem willingly on the cult of, a, of, a, of, a, of an animal, praise God, that symbolized humility, that symbolized lowness. And Jesus came into that city, praise God, and he was willing, praise God, to be that sacrifice for you and I. And so you and I, we want to keep that in, 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 in a permanent memory in our minds, praise God, of what the Lord has done in Jesus' name. But throughout the Bible, what you'll find, and, and there's just so much of it, there's illustrations that will illustrate what does all of this mean in Jesus' name? How did this all come about, praise God? And I believe in, with, within some of these, these illustrations and these actual events that happen, we can begin to find ourselves. And that's what I'm trusting in today, praise God. I thank God for the resurrection, folks. I thank God for the resurrection. But I thank God for what the Lord did so that you and I could have that blessed hope in the name of Jesus. And I thank God for that. One of the messages that Jesus brought forth, and you can, you can um, uh, look this up for yourself. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present it to you right now. Look at the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. The 8th chapter of the Gospel of John, praise God. One of the ongoing discussions during Jesus' three years of ministry, you can, you can find this throughout the scripture, praise God, was the fact of who is he? Who is this Jesus? Praise God. What's he doing? What makes him different? Praise God. In fact, in one time, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And of course, you know, the rumor mill was some say that you're Jeremiah or Elias or one of the prophets. Amen. But then Jesus specifically asked them, who do you say that I am? And this wasn't just, a, you know, a trick question. Jesus was interested in understanding whether or not they were getting it or not. And this is what I'm hoping this morning, praise God. There are many of you in your households right now that Jesus isn't just some mystical figure that's in a historical book that Jesus is that of almighty God incarnated God came down here and gave himself for the supreme sacrifice so that you and I would and can still have the blessed hope praise God that's in this world and Jesus illustrated this praise God in the 8th chapter of the book of John look at what it says there in John 8 and verse number 24 now I'm kind of coming in in the middle of the story but this is a statement he made to these people he said 
I said therefore unto you. Jesus made this statement, praise God. Amen. That ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. And actually in that verse, the word he um, um, is a supplied word. It wasn't in the original. What Jesus was saying, that if you believe not that I am, and that I am is signifying that he is the almighty God, he said, you shall die in your sins. Now listen to me, my friends. That's not the will of God. God doesn't want anybody dying in their sins, praise God. And to illustrate this, I want to share with you a story, praise God, that signifies this. You can find this story in the Gospel of Luke. It's actually the only Gospel that really portrays this. And Luke, of course, in his meticulous way of doing things and, 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 and a fountain of information there. He tells us the story in the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke, verses around verse 32 through 43. I'm not going to go into that right now, but you read that story. And what it is, it's a story that's an account of when Jesus was on the cross. Amen. And I believe it's an important story. And the reason I believe it's an important story is that I believe that you and I can find ourselves in that story. And I'm hoping by the time I get done with this that you will find yourself in that story. And if you need to do something about that, praise God, I believe God has given you not only a great hope, but God has given you a great plan in the name of Jesus. Silhouetted against a vermilion sky, three crude crosses protrude are protruded from a skull-shaped hill just outside the ancient city of Jerusalem. That's where we're picking this story up, by the way, in the 23rd chapter of Luke. It says three men were suspended there. The cross was a torture machine fashioned by the most twisted and sadistic minds. Many men have, have and, and did die by crucifixion. But this occasion was in, infused with profound meaning. It was not an ordinary execution. The men who died there and the choices they made represent the universal options of choice. I hope that sinks in. That's what I'm telling you. I believe this story illustrates some things in our life. Those three crosses, I believe, really illustrate where mankind is at right now. One was dying in sin. One was dying unto sin. And one was dying for sin. Three crosses on a hill provide an analogy for life and death. Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, is crucified between two male factors. That's what the Bible teaches us. The man in the middle stands like a giant human scale with arms outstretched, weighing the deeds of mortals, and each criminal hangs in the balance. The man on the left and the one on the right, one into paradise, and one, it says, yes, into Hades. Succeeding generations of individuals make one of two eternal choices. Please, I can't emphasize this enough. You're listening to this message, and I believe God is speaking to your heart right now. I believe that still small voice that you're hearing, praise God, is that of Almighty God. And God isn't threatening you. He's not begging you. He's just trying to 
fully disclose all the things that are happening in life. That's what God does. Come on, God isn't here to make your choices. He's just here to give you choices that you will make in Jesus' name. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you something. Those choices come down to two things. Either we're going to receive Him, Jesus Christ, or we're going to reject Him. Now, come on, that's not me judging you. That's not me trying to make you feel uncomfortable. That's life. Amen. It happened back then, and it's happening right now. Oh, Brother Carnahan, I am not suspended from a cross. No, you're not, but I'm going to tell you something. Life has a way of putting us on a cross, too. And so we must understand, praise God, that, that one of the things that God will bring into our life is witness after witness after witness of who He is. The song that you heard sung here this morning, the reason why she could stand up here and say, I'm not guilty, is because of what Jesus has done in her life. I'm telling you folks, this is still the central message of our day. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. And so you and I, we have, we have the ability, praise God, to make choices and the right choices. The doubting male factor died in sin. After he railed on Jesus with angry outbursts. You can study that for yourself in those verses in the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke. Yes, he was upset. He was mad. Like a lot of us sometimes can get about life. God didn't put him on that cross. God didn't do that to that man. It was because of the consequences of his sin that he ended up on that cross. But hey, you got to get angry at somebody. And I believe we got a world out there that at times is very angry with God. But God wants to help you to understand that you can have a great hope, praise God. That He can help you to really understand that. That man did not respect Jesus' innocence or holiness. His self-absorption blinded him to the sublime demeanor of the magnificent Christ. Jesus was right next to him and he couldn't see him. I'm hoping that is not the case right now. I'm hoping that in every home right now, you can begin to sense and feel Jesus in the name of Jesus. He was ignorant of the presence of royalty. His doubt about the identity of the Messiah was, expre it was expressed with a reluctant if. If you be God, deliver us from this cross right now. In fact, if you study that 23rd chapter, it was not only said by him, but it was said by just about everybody. Amen. He allowed the opportunity of a lifetime to slip by his dull perception. That's what I want to get across this morning. And I believe there are many of you right now that God is trying to help you to understand this is the time of opportunity. Yeah, I know we're living in very, very uncertain times, but the opportunity to be saved, the opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is and the power of His resurrection is still here today, praise God. His plea was for a biological life, not spiritual life. Save yourself and us. This man represents the masses that reject their only hope for eternal life. This man had a rare opportunity to be saved, but carelessly spurned the moment. 
I want you to think about that. And that's why God is bringing this message specifically into your home right now. It's so that you'll never ever lose that opportunity in the name of Jesus. Jesus told a man one time that was very religious, doing the best that he could going to church. But he said, you must be born again. And I'm going to tell you something right now. That message still echoes today. This is what will bring the blessed hope into your life. In Jesus' name. So this man was dying in sin. In sin. The other male factor died unto sin. What do I mean by that? He rebuked his fellow criminal. No, not at first. If you study the sequence, he was joining right in with the other guy. And many of us were guilty of the same thing. But the Bible says, it talks about, for, you know, that all of a sudden his eyes got open. For his disrespectful chiding. He acknowledged Jesus' innocence and their guilt. He recognized the Messiahship of Jesus and begged for his mercy. The man was saved in the last moments of his life to become a relic of redemption. It's still in that story, praise God, so that you and I will have hope. That's why I'm talking to people right now. Your hope is not gone. Your hope is still there, praise God. He was inches from the place of eternal death. Only moments from plunging into the abyss. It was in those final moments that he found a compassionate hand of strength and redemption. He died that day from cruel crucifixion. Yes, but today he lives in paradise. Oh, I'm telling you right now, folks, even at the last moments of his life, he was able to grasp a hold of the hope. The man in the middle, though, now he died. The man we just talked about died unto sin. The Bible says there was a man in the middle who died for our sin. And that's what he recognized. It was for the sins of humanity that he offering his hands and feet to the nails. He was battered and bruised. I'm going to talk about that tonight in our, in our, um, uh, uh, you know, our, our service tonight, praise God. How he was bruised for us. How he was, you know, his stripes we are healed in Jesus' name. Each lashing of the whip and each hateful curse hurled against him displayed a divine revulsion towards sin. Jesus patiently absorbed the blast of God's judgment against the defilement of sin. Although he was innocent. Jesus was innocent. He became sin for us. Listen to me, my friends. That is the message. That's where the message of hope starts. Praise God. We talk about the resurrection. That's where it ends. But I'm here to tell you our hope is all the way through this. Jesus was crucified in the middle, surrounded by sinners, literally. Doesn't that sound like the world we're living in? It says the swirling wrath of God's judgment followed him from the prayer in the garden to his last whisper. It is finished. Three crosses, my friend, on a hill stand permanently fixed in the past, present, and future. They cannot be moved or avoided. That's why I'm telling you, even 2,000 years later, the impact is great. They stand as redemption's median moment, transcending unrivaled and paramount. The cross in the middle is the fulcrum of judgment and grace. The, the willing act, 
acts of, of, of the Redeemer and the accomplishments of this scene are permanently nailed to the walls of eternity. What do I mean by that? He did it once and it lasts. Praise God. These three crosses on a hill forever change the world. They illustrate the choices we are forced to make and the eternal consequences that they bring. I'm believing that this unusual year, praise God, that you and I are experiencing are going to bring a powerful message to people right now under the, under the sound of my voice. I can sense that there are people right now, praise God, that are going to hear this message. They're going to identify themselves with that thief. They're going to realize, yes, I am guilty. I am a sinner that is saved by grace. That if it weren't for Jesus Christ, I'd have no hope. And people are going to begin to embrace that message and then they're going to begin to follow Jesus down the word, down, down the word of obedience and they're going to become born again and they're going to become people, praise God, that will lift up their hands just like we are and they are rejoicing in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, this is something that God is doing in this hour. When we look at three crosses on a hill, we see ourselves either on the left or on the right. Listen to my friend, you and I are not the one in the middle. We are not Jesus Christ. Oh, I know sometimes we kind of think we are, but we're not. Amen. We are either saved or we are lost. Now that is not my judgment to you. That is life. That is that still small voice that you are hearing. Amen. There are no other options, my friend. Now as sinners, we are all dying the death of crucifixion in one way or the other. We all are. The wages of sin is death. Those who follow Satan's path suffer the consequences. Bible says in John 10 and 10, it says, The enemy cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what's happening all around us. Alcoholism, drug abuse, broken homes, financial losses, fightings, accidents, loss of peace, loss of, re of reputation, and betrayal are all the consequences of a sinful life. That's not me indicting you. That's just the way life is. But yet the Christian life, let's take a few seconds and understand that the Christian life is not free of crosses. Oh no. The sinner looks at the Christian sacrifices and says, you are, are, you know, people look at the Christian sacrifices and say, you are crucified. And you know something? They're absolutely right. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, I gladly take the crucifixion that I have. No, I'm not talking about being nailed to a cross. I'm talking about denying myself. I'm talking about picking up my cross and following Him, praise God. No, the Christian life is not free from these things. In fact, Paul said this. He said, I die daily. Jesus gave us a stern warning of the rigors of a Christian life. In the world you shall have tribulation, he said. You know, and then he also said in Mark 10, he said, take up the cross and follow me. So let me wrap this up now, praise God, this morning. The purpose in life, listen to me, the purpose in life is not to avoid the cross. We will, you and me, everybody, we will carry a cross one way or the other. As we travel through life's journey, and that's what we're on right now, my friends, 
we all find ourselves on a cross on a hill with a man in the middle forcing us to decide. And that's why we have great hope. Because the beautiful thing is, is that we can decide for Jesus. Now listen, I've got to be very careful here because I can't make you do that. I can't go to your living room and grab you by the nap of the neck and say, you'd better serve him or else. Oh, I know, some, some of you have experienced that kind of so-called Christianity. And I'm not here to, to be, you know, to, to, to be the critic. I'm just here to say, but that is not the Christianity that God offers us. What God offers us is a full disclosure. That's what life is. Life has a way of disclosing everything. In fact, the older you get, the more it discloses. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, folks. I'm just trying to help us to understand that the purpose of life is not to avoid these crosses, but to recognize the cross that we are on. Jesus was able to make that statement to that, to that, young, to that man on that cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. I'm telling you right now, praise God. The Old Testament had not been done away with yet because the Old Testament, I'm telling you something, had, could not be done away with until there was the death of a testator. And that was Jesus Christ in which he fulfilled, amen, that on the cross in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray here, and as the singers come, praise God. But if you want more information about how, how the Bible can help you to make good choices, the right choices, Please get a hold of this church. Get a hold of us, praise God. Text us. The number is 299-5611. If you'd like a personal Bible study that could help you to understand this on a more fuller basis, I'm here to tell you the wonderful gift that God gave us is available for you right now. If you wouldn't mind, would you just bow your heads just, and maybe you could just lift your hand towards heaven right now. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe there is a message that is going forth this day that depicts not only a great hope, but Lord God, a decision that lies in our lives. And Lord Jesus, what I'm asking you to help us to do is to see. Let the scales, I'm believing that the scales are down from the eyes right now. That there's not one person, praise God, that cannot see what's really going on in life right now. And I believe that Lord God, with this full disclosure, that you are able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think, Lord God. Touch us today. Help us to realize this, Lord God, in a greater way in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I give you the praise and I give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing Am I alive? I won't keep searching for answers And aren't here to find All I know is I'm not home yet This is not where I belong Jesus, this is not where I belong. 
lost in the current of a raging sea. I have this blessed assurance holding me. I feel him in my heart. 
I feel him all over me. God's not dead, he's alive. God's not dead, amen. He is alive. God's not dead, he is alive. God's not dead, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, amen. I feel him in my feet, I feel him in my heart. I feel him all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. Well, let's look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I'm going to praise his name. His name is still the Lord. That's right. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise him. Come help me praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise his name. His name is still the same. I'm going to praise him. Come help me praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Well, he's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins away. Oh, he's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins away. He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me that I cannot tell it all. He has taken my sins away. that you have done, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so once again, we are honored that you joined us this morning, and we just, when this thing is all past us, and it will be past us, we would hope that you would come out and join us for one of our lively services. Praise God. Not that God can't move in your home, praise God, but we love getting together and worshiping the Lord in Jesus' name. Again, if you have any needs, if you have anything that you have questions on or you would like us to contact you, the number is 307 299 5611. 
We'll contact you. We'll set up a Bible study, whatever it will take in Jesus' name. And also be, remember tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to be meeting here and we're going to be um, having a communion service. First time that we've ever done this online, but I believe that the Lord will, will honor it and I believe we're going to see a move of God. I believe there are many healings that take place because we remember what Jesus has done for us. And so the Lord bless you, you and your family. Have a blessed day. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great day and the Lord bless you until we get back together.